turned me into a dog. Can you believe this? And you're invited too! Good morning. Welcome to Saturday Morning Obscurities. I'm your co-host and sister, Melissa. I'm your co-host and brother, Jams. This is a, a very special episode of the show. It is our one-year anniversary because mm-hmm. we launched on Halloween last year. And also, it's the Halloween episode. We Ooh, made our anniversary yay. and Halloween the same thing. Yeah. I mean, when the podcast launched... Uh, we had the option of launching on Halloween, and we're like, well, why don't we? <laughs> You're right. Why not? This way we'll always remember. That's true. It's easy to remember at that point. So, yeah. Thank you to everyone who has l- been listening to us for a year. If you've been listening to us all this time, if you're a new listener, thank you all the same. It's been an amazing year. We Thank you to everyone that listens consistently. And thank you to everyone that just kind of listens to us when you can. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you're here for uh, the Mummy's Live and that's it. Sure, you know, yeah. Sh- show up for whatever you like. Yeah, we appreciate you. We love you. And we would also love it if you give us a five-star rating review on iTunes. But we also, we also love Halloween. We also love Halloween. And we hope that you love Halloween with us here today. We hope Halloween loves you. We know Halloween loves you, Mel. <laughs> Me? Me? Or like the collective you of the humanity? You. Okay. The humanity. As an October baby, I feel a special spiritual connection with Halloween. So yeah. I feel like it does love me specifically. Do you know what you're going to be this year? I, besides I amazing? Had my, I, thank you. I, besides another haunting year older. Uh, I had an idea, but then I realized uh, you'll be having, or will have had at this point, uh, yeah. a Halloween party very early in the month of October. Yeah, and I realized it. my costume might be too warm, so now I have to have. I, I oh. might, I might have to have a backup option that's cooler to wear. What were you thinking? I wanted. I got a blazer at a thrift store, so I wanted to be a 1980s big businesswoman on the go. But then I like the blazer's the key part of it. And I don't sure. know if I want to wear a blazer the entire night or if I did, this being an episode from the future where this party has already happened. <laughs> Do they make shirts that look like blazers? What, just like a t shirt, but with real tall shoulders? Sure. Sh- yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's not the same if I show up with, because I'm a businesswoman. I'm not just, I'm not just any 80s lady. I'm a businesswoman. I make calls. I have a secretary. I have to be wearing business wear. You don't show up to the office in a t-shirt. Not in that era. <laughs> I guess you could, you know, have the, like, what's under the blazer. You could still bring the blazer. Oh, for... I gotta have it on. It's the key. <laughs> it, it, it connects me into the character. That's my, my spiritual totem to be a re- 1980s big businesswoman on the go. Do you remember when I was just uh, a, I don't remember what the theme or what I called myself but for Halloween, I was just like a TV show host with a, he- a TV for a head. That was a good one. And then whenever I took the TV head off, I'm like, ah, I'm still, I'm just, I'm, I'm still a guy with a blazer now. <laughs> just a guy, yeah. That's the trouble. I didn't have yeah. a long skinny mic or anything. Right. So I got to figure out a costume that I could wear all of the entire night, even if it's like 85 degrees. Sure. I mean. It, it's in my place. We have pretty good air conditioning downstairs. 
It, sh- it might be fine. It might be well, cold go outside, nights, though. Well, I don't know. I, I, you got to you out of many options. You know, October, uh, we've had cold Halloweens. We've had hot Halloweens earlier yeah. in the month. Also, also troublesome. I'm keeping yeah. my options open. Don't have a clear answer right now. Yeah. Uh, I have got some outside help for my Halloween costume this year. Uh, uh, my friend does 3D printing, and Ooh. I was talking to them about maybe being the Great Pumpkin, not from Charlie Brown, but from Over the Garden Wall. Uh, yes. So they, they were like, oh, yeah, I could totally print that. I'm like, would you? <laughs> like, Print a whole I, pumpkin head? Yeah, they're going to print the big pumpkin head, and I'm gonna. it's either going to sit on top of my head or I'm going to wear it. Uh, wow. Yeah, and they're going to do the, the teefs in there, and then, yeah, I'm just going to see if I can just find some beige streamers and puppet sticks and just wear that <laughs> as the costume. So wow. that's what, that's what I just got to find beige streamers. This shouldn't be difficult. It shouldn't be. I would hope not. Flesh mm. streamers. Um, <laughs> What's your favorite Halloween costume you've ever had? Because I know what oh, my boy. favorite is out of the costumes you have had. Um, Is it Glambit? No, it's when you were like nine years old and you were a robot. <laughs> that was so basic, though. No, it was a cool robot costume. Well, that's and... mostly laying on dad's shoulders. Right. Well, I like it because it's a testament to you just being, you know, a cute kid and also a testament to our father as a craftsman. And it has like one of my favorite memories in my whole life attached to it, which is that your robot suit was made out of like a huge, like thick cardboard tube, right? Mm. A thick cardboard tube that was like two feet across or something. Yeah, you would put child like, sized to put. Yeah, to put a child in that big. <laughs> And dad brought home like a six foot chunk of that tube because that was as small as like the hardware store would cut it. And I remember standing inside and like looking out the window at you like in the driveway, getting that tube out of dad's car. And then you slipped your body inside of it. And you're just these little legs underneath a huge (laughs) tube running around in our lawn, bumping into things. That sounds like something I would do. So that's why the robot costume is my favorite. <laughs> so it's not the costume that you loved. It was the big tube. <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's the America's Funniest Home Videos that plays only in my own brain. Oh, that's good. That's wholesome. Yeah, no, I think my favorite was when I was 80s glam gambit. Uh, just because that was such a versatile costume and very fun to wear. I think my favorite costume I've ever worn was also an 80s glam outfit because I've done it before when I was like 13. (laughs) I just had like, I think I found, I was again, I found like white jeans. Like I found like one piece that like keyed me into this. So I had that and then I had like uh, a a throwback Goonies t-shirt and like an acid wash, (laughs) like big denim jacket and I got my hair teased up big. The hair was the best part. Sure. I guess why I want to be... I just want to do that hair again, but like uh, as a professional adult businesswoman and not just a random teen. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember too many of your costumes, but I also can't remember many of mine either. I need to write one this year, stuff down. I, one year I was Dr. Jekyll and Guy Fieri. That's right. That was a good <laughs> costume. Where I had a Hawaiian shirt and a lab coat. Uh, and then I got like a spiky blonde wig and I drew a soul patch on my face 
and I had uh, safety goggles, but I wore them around the back of my head. Yeah. I spent, <laughs> spent the whole night drinking out of a, a test tube. That's great. Was that the party at Ty's at Shred House? Yes. Okay. One yeah. of them, yes. Now I remember that. That was the one where I didn't have any costume, and I was the highwayman from, from also from Over the Guard Wall, which was just like <laughs> a sock hat and a mask, and that's it. And like Repetitions. A yeah. Themes. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for joining us for our Halloween episode. Uh, today we're going to be covering uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog. We're doing yeah, another Saturday yeah. morning giant. Yeah, we're doing these two weeks in a row. Yeah, I knew a while out. I, uh, this is what I wanted to do. I think we this time we paid, paid homage to a legend. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, I, as I was looking through the episode guide on HBO Max, I realized there's very few specific episodes of the show that I remember anymore. <laughs> I remember like s- certain bright particular fragments of it. I hadn't watched it in a long time, so... It was it was a good good place to return to. Fun, spooky vibes. Yeah. But before we talk about that, we have our first segment of the show. What's new Scooby Doo? Mel, what's new Scooby Doo with you? Well, to get help get me into the Halloween mood for this Halloween episode, last night I watched my favorite Treehouse of Horror episode from The Simpsons. Ooh, which one is that? Uh, it's Treehouse of Horror 5, which is from season 6, because they didn't start Treehouse of Horror until season 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the one with the shinning and uh, the time-traveling toaster and then Nightmare Cafeteria, uh, where they're eating all the kids at the school. These are all good words. Yes, yes. Of course I remember this. <laughs> I also love Homer Cubed. I forget which episode that's in. It's oh, maybe is like the, the 3D year one? after that. Yes. Yeah, I lo- that's that stuck in my brain, that ending of that episode. Mm-hmm. Nice. Those are some good picks. Yeah. Oh. Do, do you have any fond trios of horror memories? What are some of your favorites? Oh, the, the Island of Dr. Moreau one sticks out yeah. in my head. Um, yes. I don't know. Like I said, yeah, the Homer, the 3D Homer one. That one is the most haunting in my memories, I think, because they find like this yeah. weird... 3d portal in their house and, mm-hmm. and it just sucks up the whole town eventually yeah yeah i think that and the the time travel one i'm blanking on its specific title right now but that one is so it's so silly and also so unnerving at the same time mm-hmm. which is what i love about treehouse of horror those have always made a special impression on me there's very few other pieces of art that attain the same uh aesthetic frequency for me as old episodes of treehouse of horror yeah that's fair i don't have a what's new scooby-doo this week i was pretty busy this week so i didn't really have time to invest in a new media uh Mm -hmm. but since it's halloween i will recommend my favorite uh scary movie if you could call it that and that's the frighteners starring michael j fox uh, yes this is my favorite spooky movie uh i love anything with ghosts and i love movies where ghosts get to do ghost things and they aren't the bad guys <laughs> that's my favorite thing yeah i'd so, love to see a ghost do a ghost thing they walk through so much stuff stuff goes yeah. through them there's a there was a video game i played called murdered soul suspect and mm-hmm. um, it wasn't a very good game but uh, I really just enjoyed the fact that you played as a ghost and you got to unlock ghost powers as the game went on and walk through walls cool. and walk through people and stuff. I thought it was neat. But yeah, 
Go get spooky out there. Get it. This is your your last day. This is your this last. Come out on it. Oh, it comes out on the thirtieth. The thirtieth is a Saturday. You have two days left of spook. <laughs> you Pack it all in. You have today and tomorrow spook. You could you can observe Thanksgiving and Christmas if you want, but once January starts, you're free to spook again. Uh, or you can just spook all year round. I'm not going to stop you. I can't stop you. Right. Yeah, but. Uh, the spook lives in your heart every day in every way but you know halloween is when it's at its strongest power absolutely mm-hmm. but yeah let's talk about courage the cowardly dog shall we yes mel what's your history with courage the cowardly dog i watched a lot of this on cartoon network growing up this was one of my faves and I remember us particularly watching this a lot with our older brother uh, and our nephew when he was little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were big fans of this. I think we're, we're as a family, we all look fondly back yeah. on the show. Whole family could agree on courage. Yeah. Yeah, it was. it's definitely got some spookier episodes than the ones we picked. We just picked two since these are, this is a show that has two segments per episode. So just four yeah. total segments for today's episode. Um, yeah, we've had some other episodes recently that have run a little long, too. So yeah. we're like, let's, let's keep this one slightly more compact. Yeah, let's have a nice little bite-sized Halloween episode. Uh, yeah, so, so that we have extra room to talk about, like, uh, old robot costumes and, st- absolutely. <laughs> and stuff like I, that. I hope you guys yeah. enjoy that. Oh, yeah, send us, tweet at us your favorite Halloween costumes you've done. You can tweet us at SaturdayMOPod or email us, SaturdayMOPod at gmail.com. And if you want your email shared with the show, let us know, and we'll talk about it on the show. Uh, but yeah courage is i think iconic it was i think when the first episode premiered it got like one of the biggest oh one of like the biggest viewer counts for like a new show on cartoon network so that's good it's got a great following it also recently had a crossover movie uh with scooby-doo recently recently i believe either in the past year yeah, this year I think it came out. Um, what? 2021. Yeah, did you not know this? No. Hold on. I'll pull up an image for us to look at. Uh, at home, you can just te- check it out. I think it's just Scooby-Doo meets Curse the Cowardly Dog. Wow. Where where can I see this? In what manner did this come out? This came out straight to DVD, as most of the new Scooby-Doo movies do. Uh, maybe straight oh, okay. to streaming, too. Uh, yeah, oh it's God, called... look at them! Yeah, Straight oh. Out of Nowhere, Scooby-Doo meets Courage the Cowardly Dog. And it had the original voice actors. Oh. Wow, that animation looks great. That's a really good melding of those two styles. Yeah, honestly. And, I, I mean, it's probably, honestly, more in the Scooby-Doo fashion. Uh, because there's such an, a, a unique animation quality to Courage the Cowardly Dog, but... I, yeah. I got to say, as as time goes on, as animation gets high, higher quality, easier to produce, easier to put more details in, I'd love to see like more details on the big sandwiches Shaggy makes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you showed me a screenshot where Shaggy is a big sandwich, and I could see like individual like meat and cheese layers. It looked really good. There was a ham on the table. It was a beautiful <laughs> ham. Like he no longer has to just eat like sort of amorphous like bread shapes. I mean, amorphous bread shapes are the tastiest part of the 80s. (laughs) And I'll stand by that. (laughs) 
But yeah, go check that out. Uh, maybe we'll do a crossover episode with a Scooby-Doo podcast for this. Stay tuned. Um, but yeah, let's run down the facts of Courage the Cowardly Dog. Mm. All right. Courage the Cowardly Dog was created by John R. Dilworth. There were 52 total episodes with 102 total segments. It ran from 1999 to 2002, released oh. in the U.S. of A., uh, produced by Stretch Films. Cartoon Network was the original channel. Uh, adaptations include, like I just mentioned, the Scooby-Doo crossover movie. And there were a bunch of... Cartoon Network would release a bunch of just like, here's all of our characters in a video game. And Courage was often yeah. featured in that. Yeah. yeah, Courage was often featured in those games. Popular voice actors. So most notably... There's only two actors in here that really stand out that have done other stuff you recognize. For the most part, most of these voice actors are most well known for doing these roles. Uh, the voice of Courage is Marty Grabstein or Grabstein. Uh, he mostly does Courage. Lionel Wilson has done Eustace, and I think other voice actors did Eustace as well uh, throughout the show's t- uh, tenure. And mm. uh, the late, great Thea White uh, voiced Muriel. And that was pretty much her only uh, big role. Moment of silence because she, pa- she passed with us in July. Oh, <laughs> what a role to be known for. Muriel's so sweet. I think a character a lot of people gravitate towards. Yeah. Uh, I think of Muriel often. Yeah, Muriel's always a good character and I'm sure a great voice actress. Mm-hmm. There's uh, a picture of her. You're showing me the IMDb page, and her photo is her like wearing a Muriel T-shirt. It looks like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why not just looks wear like the, she, the shirt of the character yeah. voice? Right. Looks like Thea White had a happy professional career being Muriel. Yeah. Uh, so of the episodes we watched, uh, I pulled two of the voice actors that did some of the guest characters, some of the okay. the non main characters. Hmm. I guess I could save that until... Yeah, I'll save that until we're talking about the episode so I don't spoil what we're talking about. Okay. Um, Let's go right into the intro, shall we? Yes. It is 28 seconds long, uh, (laughs) and it's mostly talking, so let's just kind of get into it. All right. Starting in three, two, one, play. We interrupt this program to bring you Courage, the Cowardly Dog Show. Waving his arms. Courage, the Cowardly Dog. <laughs> Abandoned as a pup, oh. he was found by Muriel, who lives in the middle of nowhere with her husband, Eustace Bear. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. stuff happens in nowhere. It's up to mm. Courage to save his new home. Stupid dog, you made me look bad. Oh, and it's got that final. What? What? I feel like we used to talk more over these, but we've had a a string of episodes recently where I'm like, nah, just let me watch it. Yeah. (laughs) Let me me enjoy. Yeah. I love that it ends in a little wah. And I don't know if that is part of the way the audio was cut, that there would have been lyrics next, or that's just part of the song. Either way, the wah is stuck in my head. Ah. Wah. Wah. So the first episode we watched was uh, season one, episode five, King Ramsey's Curse and the Clutching Foot. Mm-hmm. A voice of King's Ram- King Ramsey in this episode was the creator of the show, 
uh, oh. was John R. Dilworth. And he, oh. I believe in an interview he said that the voice of King Ramses was something he came up with like to spook their mom to, with him and his brother. Ah! So oh. that's kind of appropriate. Um, <laughs> that's fun. Nice to hear you have a spooky history. Yeah. So this episode starts with, uh, first of all, an ominous sky. Yeah. Every sky is ominous in the world of Courage, the Cowardly Dog. This mm-hmm. is a show with truly stark and unnerving landscapes. So, so, so underneath an ominous sky, uh, a helicopter with a spotlight is following a truck uh, where two pointy little cats are driving. They, they're trying to get away. And they pull over by the side of the road by, as we will see, uh, Courage's house. And they dig a hole to hide whatever it is they've stolen, which is a large stone slab. And they get back in the car and they're starting to drive away when a voice says, Return the slab or suffer my curse. The design of these characters. Let me talk about the cats real quick. The, the cat. The way, yeah, that's pointy. The way they do the cats in the show are just like spindly little sticks with like little circular hands, little nubby hands, and just big upside down triangles. Uh, yeah. For the most part. But yeah, King Ramses is was probably the most scary thing for a lot of kids. As, a lot of kids as a kid. Uh, for a lot of people <laughs> as a kid. Yeah. A lot of double kids. The design was CGI, of course, in a 2D world, which is always upsetting uh yeah but this one is like in particular was like a like very simple but yet like very like gaunt and like mummified and like very just very upsetting to look at and this is a show that had a lot of sort of a mixed media look to it It something that always stood out to me like their like in their house the wallpaper pattern would be like digitally fixed and like Mm -hmm. no matter where they moved like the pattern would be the same there are some digital effects occasionally throughout the show uh but this one it's like it's intentionally very simplistic looking just shiny smooth no element of texture it looks so like i don't know if there's anything about it that's that scary on its own but when it's put in an artistic backdrop where it clearly does not belong Mm-hmm. There, there is something unnerving about that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So King uh, Ramsey King- says, "Return the slab or suffer my curse." Uh, we and both pl- have to say it. <laughs> yeah. We both need a turn. There's a lot of things in here. I'm going to quote word for word. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, a plague of locusts then devour the car. <laughs> And yeah, we it, see... this is a, this is a chilling bit. Like all these bugs swarm on the car, and there's like a metallic noise, and then the camera like pans over to where we see the farmhouse, and it pans back to the road, and there's not a, a trace of anything there. There's no, not yeah, a car skeleton. There's nothing. Yeah, there's a lot of cutaway. They died jokes in this show. <laughs> like, don't mind that he perished. Yeah, high death count. Yeah. So yeah, the uh, we see courage like looking out his window, like what was that noise? And then we cut to the next morning, and courage is like, oh, there's a hole that was dug here. I'm a dog. Let me see what's up here, and digs out right. the slab. Right, can't forget the dog part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they they dig out the slab, and the slab has on it a depiction of Ramses, 
two uh-huh. little two little wave symbols, a locust, yeah. and a phonograph. And this is not a shape that approximates a phonograph. No, it's like a direct like clip art of a phonograph yeah. on there. Yeah, I was gonna say clip art. Yeah, that's a pho- that's a phonograph. Uh, <laughs> and then Courage shows it to Eustace and Muriel, and Eustace deems this garbage from King Garbage of the Garbage Dynasty <laughs> and throws it out. Yes. And they tur- then he they turn turns on, on the, the TV, and it's the same uh, newscaster from the the opening credits bit. And the newscaster is saying that like this slab is worth a million dollars, and it was stolen from some local museum. And then, and then there's an audience aw noise when he says <laughs> that it was stolen. Did you hear that? No, that's great. <laughs> there's a noise, and I don't think it's like within the show. Like they're not like there's not some hypothetical audience going aw to oh no, Eustace just threw out something valuable. I think it's reacting to the news broadcast itself. <laughs> you know, news filter from the live studio the audience. Yeah. <laughs> just makes sympathetic noises for every headline. Yeah, that's what that's what they pay them for. Uh, mm. So yeah, he he grabs the slab and he's like, "Never mind, I uh, I love this now." Uh, and he's talking, <laughs> he's muttering to himself like a million dollars. Finally, you know what that means. New lawn chairs. Wow. <laughs> and this is this is funny, but also so sad because I'm like, Eustace and Muriel clearly grew up during the Great Depression. Mm. Uh, Eustace is delighted at the idea of we can have an extra light bulb around the house. <laughs> yeah. A million dollars. Yeah, he's just talking about like self-care and home repair. Right, he just wants very basic things. He doesn't have any dreams. He doesn't want like a solid gold boat or anything. No, where, where is he going to go? He's in a desert. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and then a pit helmet professor kind of comes to the door. Yeah, he's got he's got big mustache and he's got a pit helmet, and he's like, "I'm yeah, a professor." A pith helmet. How do you spe- how do you pronounce it? It's a pith helmet. How do you spell it? Oh, that? no. Pith. Pith. The pith with a TH helmet, also known as this, also known as the safari helmet, sun helmet, topi, solotopi, topi, but spelled different, or salicot, also spelled salaco. Oh, my God. That hat has so many names. <laughs> well, Professor yes, that comes, hat to door is... with, <laughs> comes to the door with a salicot, topia hat. <laughs> And he's like, uh, I'm from the museum. And boy, would we love to have that slab back. And uh, Eustace is constantly like, well, what do you want for it? And he's like, well, how does a, how does a tote bag sound? And, <laughs> and we have like, no, no money. We are a publicly funded museum. Yeah. Also, uh, the, the pith helmet got its name from the fact that it was made out of the pith, the soft tissue found inside the trunk of the sola tree, a species native to India. So now huh. we learned. I didn't know you could make hats out of trees. <laughs> right, I've never seen one. Never ever. So yeah, he refuses the offer. And then we see the aunt Walt uses this holding the slab, a little depiction of Ramsey's disappears and courage gets nervous. Yeah. And then we see CG it's that night and CGI Ramsey's is out and is there to spook them. And he's like, return the slab or suffer my curse. Three Mm. plagues coming down on you, Eustace. And suddenly it starts tsunamiing inside the house, flooding the house. 
and everyone swims up to the attic and <laughs> courage and muriel are just like up at the attic just like holding on to the last bit of air and they're like where's eustace save eustace and he's just with a snorkel sitting at the bottom of the room holding the slab uh mm-hmm. which is pretty evil of him like your wife is dying and courage swims down to the basement and pulls the comical sized plug and all the water drains out of the house and it cuts back to ramsey and he says it cut backs it it cuts back to ramsey's and he's like oh come on (laughs) which i didn't remember and that was nice (laughs) the second plague is that he's the the phonograph pictogram yeah. starts disappearing from the slab and then they hear the song. I so I couldn't make out the song except for a couple lyrics. Could you? It's it only is a couple lyrics. It goes <laughs> King Ramses, the man in gauze, the man in gauze. The I man think in that's gauze. It. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes that makes a lot more sense. I just heard man again, the man again. King Ramses, the man, the man in gauze. Okay. Yeah, I've yeah, always no, remembered yeah. the song very clearly, and I forgot like how it happened in the episode, like what the context was. I'm like, does it play over the end credits? What is it? No, I forgot that that was one of the plagues. The, the song is a plague. <laughs> and so uh, Courage has to go search around the house while his uh, family is screaming, and he, yeah, they- he like finds the phonograph behind a rock outside. Yeah, and he smashes it. I, I like that Eustace and Muriel, whenever the music starts, start, like, crying out immediately. Like, they hate this immediately. Like, it's <laughs> like it's polka or something to them. Like, it's some god-awful music. Not to say polka's right, god-awful, it, but, like, a lot of people have that reaction. Yeah, it's and this song is not done in, like, a style of music that uh, entertainment would normally clown on. It's not like in Mars Attacks where, like, old country western tunes of the ability to kill the martians yeah not like that but yeah it's it's uh if you can go find the song i'm sure it's catchy if it was a full song but you gotta drop it in here people have to hear it for real all right well then i have to cue it up <laughs> hold on one second all right i found it you were right it is called the man in gauze uh yeah you can find this video on youtube it's titled jody gray andy Ezrin hyphen the man in gauze. Jody Gray and Andy er- Ezrin were the composers for the show. Uh, okay, it's a it's a minute and a half long. I'm not going to play the full minute and a half, uh, but I'm just going to play just enough for you guys to get the gist. Um, all right, for future jams, putting this in the in the audio. Uh, hitting play in three, two, one, play. The man in gauze. The man in gauze. Like, it's kind of a bop, like... Yeah! Alright, I'm gonna stop it at 20 seconds. That's enough. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll listen to more of that later, but yeah, it's there's a little warbling in the audio, and that's just from it being on a warped record, is all. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, the third plague is Locusts. Classic. Classic Locusts. Yeah, they start consuming, like, everything, like the truck the windmill, the water pump, and they they are hovering above the house and Courage is like trying to pry the slab 
out of Eustace's hands. Meanwhile, Muriel's like, my kitchen. And then just starts baking every, like, cooking everything in the house. Just like, <laughs> we have to use all this food before it's gone. And she's just rapidly cooking. Right. Yeah, if you're going to gobble my entire existence, I want you to at least eat completed food and not just, like, bags of sugar and flour. <laughs> yeah. Don't eat fa- eat flour unless it's baked. And right. Don't eat the separate components of a cake on their own when they're not a cake. Please, son. Please don't do this in my house. So, Courage, uh, they get the... I always call them termites. The locusts get far enough down oh, the house... Knows? That, I only presume uh, it's it's locusts. I don't know what a locust looks like, and they're just sort of like little black dots. But I know, like from history, uh, it's locusts. That's the that's the, the the bug that is a plague. I've never yes. heard of a plague of like anything else. Uh, COVID. It, but but in terms of bugs, <laughs> yeah, the COVID bug. Yeah. <laughs> no, a literal little insect has wings. Locusts are it. I guess a locust has a wing. I don't know anything about bugs. Can you imagine if there was a, a plague of fireflies? Can you well, imagine? How would that be a? A hundred million fireflies would... came down and ate your eyes. <laughs> the plague would just be that they are so dense, like you can't move. Like they're they're filling the air. Mm-hmm. You'd have to open like a you whole can't new see the sun. City. They block out the sun. Yeah. You can only see Firefly. <laughs> That's a cool. We'll write that later. That's a bad one. Uh, sorcerers, I hope you're not listening. Don't get this idea. <laughs> hey, sorcerers, get fucked. <laughs> Here's a Halloween greeting from me to you. Fuck you. <laughs> there may be... I shouldn't put all sorcerers in that bin. I'm sure there's, there's pleasant sorcerers who, you know, just like make fireworks for people to watch. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Courage grabs the slab and throws it out the window, and the locusts stop, and Muriel like passes out in front of the cake she just baked. And yeah, Ramses is like, at first is like, "Oh, thank you," and then Eustace jumps out the window and like grabs the slab. He's like, "You can't, you mm. can't make me. This is mine. It's a hundred, hundred. It's worth a hundred million. Yeah, it's worth a million dollars." And uh, <laughs> then locusts depend descend on eustace and it cuts away back to uh muriel rocking on her chair with courage and it's just implied that he died implied that he perished and then it cuts Mm. to the slab back on the sarcophagus of the museum and now it has eustace on it he will be a new plague the next time someone steals it (laughs) yeah right i'm gonna take the slab back and take you with it yeah the next episode is titled The Clutching Foot. And this is an episode I did not remember at all uh, yeah. in- until we got into it, until I heard the words wool socks. Uh, <laughs> so was, so the, the old couple, they're in bed. Eustace, the loyal dog, sleeps at the foot of the bed. And Eustace's foot is itching and he keeps, you know, rubbing it against stuff. And he's muttering in his sleep and he mutters wool socks. And it's never been clear to me if that is the cause of his problem or what he thinks might be a solution. I think it's supposed to be the cause. I think wool is itchy. I think so. I think hot wool is itchy. Yeah. Yeah. Is a sheep itchy if you touch it? What does that mean? (laughs) Do, Do you, like, you touch a sheep and it's soft, right? People do that. 
Who is soft, me or the sheep? Ideally, both of you would be. I don't want to. I don't want to touch a sheep with a rough hand. I want to make sure my hand is moisturized. Um, ideally, me and the sheep get the best out of the experience. I think you get the soft, and the <laughs> sheep gets the feeling of like someone's touching me, and doesn't get <laughs> re- the, the the soft isn't deflecting back onto the sheep. It's it's the mantle guess- of the sheep. <laughs> Yeah, you can't feel anything in your hair, and a sheep doesn't either. But you know, it's symbolically, I want to make I want to make sure, like I don't have like rough hands when I pet a sheep. I mean, that's a good idea. You shouldn't have rough hands when you touch anything. I guess. Well, Maybe I'm not I'm... like violent. I mean, just I, you know, like I want them to be lotioned before I get before I get started. I'm not, I don't remember the last time I touched an animal. I think it'd be nice to pet a sheep. I'm just daydreaming at this point. You pet the cat. Anyway, you just. Dis- I. <laughs> but like a farm animal, separate. <laughs> cats, cats can be farm animals. I don't know. <laughs> welcome to my welcome to my cat farm. So Eustace's foot is really itchy, um, and he wakes up the next day, and the foot is big and it's purple, <laughs> and it's got little green bits on it, like the eyes on a potato. It's very yeah. gross. Yeah. And Muriel says she has a family remedy. <laughs> and then we cut to her just rubbing a cactus on his foot while he screams. And this yeah. bit goes on for so long. <laughs> and then she's like, well, that didn't work. And then she tosses it and then she grabs lobsters, like a bucket of lobsters, and puts <gasps> his foot in it. And the screaming just starts again for another same period of time. It's- Right, and then the third one, she sticks his foot in a bucket of garbage that is apparently acidic, because he puts yeah. his foot in there, and it, it burns down to, like, a nub. Uh, but then, of course, it cuts again, and he's back to his full purple foot. Yeah. <laughs> this show is so much screaming. This episode in particular, screams yeah. ahoy. I was thinking about that for, like, these voice actors. Like, they didn't do much other than this, so this was just, like, come <laughs> into our studio and scream. Get it all out here. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> uh, so so yeah. Eustace decides he, he needs to take a nap. He'll take a nap. He'll wake up and he'll feel better. But instead, he wakes up. And the foot is huge. The one foot is like subsumed the other foot and it's growing up his entire body yeah. until it like swallows his head under this like purple fungus. And so when his he, body is now just one entire huge foot. When he wakes up, his, he is like a mermaid butt foot. Mermaid but foot, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it consumes his whole body, and it's just a foot sitting in there. Muriel walks in, screams appropriately, uh, <laughs> and then the toes now have faces, and they kind of wake up, and now they're gangsters. Uh, yes, what a, what a turn for this to take. This is now a completely separate episode. Yes. Each toe is a face. The big toe has, like, the most defined face. And, yeah, he wakes up to existence and he says, I'm the big toe, see? Nah, see? Yeah. And all the other toes are like, yes, men. And he's like, I want to go rob a bank. I'm just, I woke up today. Today's my first day of living. Let's go rob a bank. And... I know what archetype I am. Despite the fact that I'm a Bigfoot. <laughs> I know I'm an old gangster. I want to rob a bank. A big space foot. A big not space a, not foot. a big foot. No space in the middle. But yeah, so it stomps on top of Muriel when Muriel 
protest like you it's your first day don't rob a bank so it steps what she on says her is, you what she says is you can't do that it's against the law yeah and it's it squishes muriel and courage is like well or no it the the foot says to courage uh all right i'm going to squash this lady i'm gonna you know pummel her unless you go rob the bank for us so we cut to courage yeah. driving the truck driving eustace's truck while in the back in the truck bed is just mural with the foot on top of her and they get to the bank and courage has to go rob the bank uh and the, he the way he, in the way he gets in is stuck into mm-hmm. my brain which is which is that he uh like uses the atm regularly pulls the money out of the little slot and then just climbs in the slot <gasps> wow see i i was distracted by the fact that once he gets into the bank the vault is surrounded by like a bubbling acid pit yeah <laughs> as all banks are <laughs> and his solution to this is that he pulls like a, an iced beverage out of nowhere and then he dumps the he drinks the beverage puts the ice cubes into the acid presuming that like four ice cubes will like cool this down and nullify the burning effects and instead the cubes hop up out of the acid they develop like little faces and they scream and they like jump out and then courage says i don't know why i thought that would work <laughs> So after Courage gets back out, get uh, after Courage gets back out to the truck with the money. Now Toe decides uh, he he wants to heist a train. That's his next step. Yeah. So they try and make Courage like stop a train, and Courage doesn't do it right. And so the Bigfoot comes out and like tries to kick the train and to de- derail it off the tracks. And instead, it it kicks the train into the distance. <laughs> Yeah, Courage Over is like just like idly eating a banana peel, tosses a banana peel, and the foot just slips and just knocks the train of the horizon, yeah. Right. I, he idly eats a banana. He does not eat the peel. No, why would you? He's, he's not like, me, he's a dog. Although maybe, it, I, don't, I don't know what dogs eat. Like, I know they're not supposed to eat a banana peel, but like maybe they do anyway. I don't know. Some people already eat the banana I'd, peels. This is this is an episode about how few things I know about animals. Like I don't know, like if a sheep is as soft as wool is. I don't know wh- what different bugs do. I don't know what a dog will eat if it has the you know opportunity to eat it. Sounds like we need to do a show where you can learn about some animals. I right, we we have to bring in like the Krat brothers or something for <laughs> we, we got to do an episode on like non-fictional like kids edutainment where I can learn about an animal. Yeah, Mr. and Mr. Krat. Come on in. Let's read some zoo books. <laughs> for the podcast, that'll how be much, great. How much can I learn by looking at the free tiger poster? <laughs> we cut back to the house. And courage is like, or the foot is just like flabbergasted. Like, I don't know. We'll conquer Florida. And he's like, right. They're just like, well, there's just so much to like about Florida. We'll just take over it. And courage goes up to his computer. Florida. Yeah. Courage goes up to his computer and he's like, I'm tired of this. How do I fix this foot fungus? And the computer. I'm uh, so. I gotta say, I'm so happy because I didn't remember what was in most of these episodes. Except mm-hmm. for like uh, King Ramses, and then uh, the the next episode we'll be getting to. 
I'm so happy we wound up with one with computer because computer yeah. is one of the stars of this show. Yeah. Computer uh, voiced by Simon Preble, who did a lot of like little like shorts and little TV yeah. TV movies, uh, just mostly in the 60s and 70s. This was one of his his last roles. Uh, oh. I think he's, he's still no, he's still around. He does just one of his last roles he did. Oh, uh, oh OK. Yeah. And uh, yeah. He goes to the com- the computer, and the computer's like, a foot fungus? Gross. Take better care of yourself. And Curtis is like, no, I've used this. And it's like, well, I'm going to gonna need a sample. So uh, if you- this is just a very gross scene. I didn't really look at it. Uh, Courage takes a fishing pole and just takes one of the green clumps off the foot and puts it in the disk drive for the computer. And the computer just spits it <laughs> yeah. out. The computer spits it out. It's like, gross. Don't do that again. And he's like, okay, I see what your problem is. You're going to need dog spit. And so Courage yeah. is like, no. And, and, the com- and the computer says, work up a good drool, baby. <laughs> and uh, so Courage is like, well, I just got to go do this. And just starts slobbering all over the foot. And first, I want to say, though, that when he like goes down to like, when he goes downstairs to like uh, l- lick the foot to death, the foot is like looking at a map of Florida and planning. And the foot says the brass ring, the pot of gold, the big bazooli, the Burt Reynolds dinner theater. <laughs> and I don't know if the foot is naming specific locations within Florida that it plans to control. Like those are all the names of clubs of, or casinos or something. Mm-hmm. Or if he's saying, like if somebody says like pot of gold, that's like, oh, this is a big deal. If oh, those gotcha. are like phrases for like, yeah, I'm moving so far up the thievery chain. I'm moving on up to the Burt Reynolds dinner theater, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's just to mean like, it's a big impressive thing. Yeah. It's unclear to me. That sounds like something I could start using in my vocabulary. So he starts licking the foot, and the foot is just like, it's acting like it's getting tickled. So all the toes are laughing, mm-hmm. and it just kind of slowly shrinks, and Eustace just kind of gets like pushed out of the top, just all sparkly and clean. And he's like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm going to go take a nap. And we Right, cut- and then the foot was like standing on top of Muriel, so now Eustace awakes back just standing on top of his wife in the living room. Yeah. And, and we cut to Courage just doing very thorough, thorough, mm, doing very thorough oral care, just like brushing, mouthwash, flossing, the whole shebang. And then he hears mm-hmm. the voice again and he opens his mouth and the tongue is now the fungus. And we cut and we end the episode. Great one. Yeah. I love how many turns that second episode took. <laughs> yeah. That's a good Courage episode. It's an episode with a lot of twists and turns. Yeah, never, no clue where it would go next. Very exciting. Yeah. Our next episode that we're watching, uh, the second of two, is season two, episode one, The Magic Tree of Nowhere and Robot Randy. <laughs> the Magic Tree of Nowhere is kind of just the giving tree, but spooky. Yeah. So episode opens, uh, The Magic Tree is... Uh, Miro is getting new curtains, and they came with a pack of seeds, as curtains do sometimes. Of course they do. And It's from, like, a, a, f- a farm and home shop, so like yeah. the seeds were, like, a complimentary bonus in her package. And Eustace grabs them, and he's like, nothing grows out here, and tosses them out the window, 
and Courage was making dirt cathedrals. <laughs> Just like yeah. sitting outside making dirt cathedrals and he knocks them in like and the cathedral like, falls apart. Uh, like a sandcastle, but they live in like um, uh, the dirty plains. Yeah, yeah. so I think it, there is no sand, only dirt. Only dirt. And so Courage is like, I don't, I'm just going to go plant these. I'm gonna, I'm a dog. And he goes plant I put it, I dig holes and I put it in a hole. Like that's his one dog activity is he digs holes sometimes. Yeah. And he goes, he puts the, the seeds and they get a localized rainstorm. And then it sprouts into a massive purple tree with like pink flowers and leaves and oh i love how the tree like sprouts up and it looks like a big normal tree but then it just like stops on like one straight plane halfway yeah. through and then a bunch of like real tall long stemmed roses go grow like completely vertically up out of that yeah, it's like a great antenna. tree design yeah 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 and then uh eustace like sticks his head out and he's, mm, eustace sticks his head out and he's like, I've never grown anything, not even weeds. But that stupid dog can grow trees. And I thought for a second this was just going to be the episode where Eustace rhymes. But no. <laughs> if only. Uh, Me- meanwhile, Muriel is in the kitchen and she burns a pie. And she says, oh, I wish we had a new oven. And then suddenly a new oven appears under the tree. Yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy Halloween. The, the like, control panel for the oven has a turkey in a crosshairs. So <laughs> I imagine this is a laser-guided oven. Uh, it so cooks yeah, your food with laser. The next thing that happens is that Courage is, like, playing in the dirt again with, like, a little construction toy. And its little, yeah. like, trough arm falls off. And he, like, yeah. has a thought bubble, like, oh, if only I had, like, a big thing. And guess what drops out of the tree? A huge, like, st- like two-story, uh, like, construction F- full machine. Size. Yeah, full size, yeah, I guess. Yeah, a little, like, d- d- you know, d- yeah, know big they're... digger. Big digger. Digs up a lot of dirt. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> also, like, the you don't have to say something out loud for the tree to hear you. The tree can read your thought bubble, and we'll yeah. make that appear. It has to be in bubble form or PDF. <laughs> The, so yeah, they're just like it cuts to courage and Muriel just having a blast, like driving it around, and you you see them making big Fun. piles of dirt and big holes, and they drop a bunch of dirt on Eustace's head, and the hat stays on top. Then then it cuts to Eustace, or sorry, it cuts to Muriel and Courage just sitting under the tree, just like a nice peaceful evening, and Eustace is like, mm. I'm gonna go to the pictures, and. You, Muriel, they have such complicated names. They have two and th- and three syllable names that are at least six six I, letters. Yeah, I don't know how many other Muriels and Eustaces I know. Not sure if I've ever encountered another Eustace. Not ever, not in my life. So he's like, Muriel is like, oh, I wish we could go see a movie, and the TV just projects a black and white like live action movie onto the side of the house. I don't know which one it is, but it does look like a named movie. I just don't recognize. Um, yeah, it's probably some old thing in the public domain. Yeah, again, yeah. another example of the sort of odd mixed media within this show. Yes. And the Muriel says, "Oh my, isn't it grand to have a tree? <laughs> just a tree." 
Who knew Annie. the trees could do this? I mean, I guess she grew up in nowhere and has only known nowhere. So this must be what all trees do. Wow. Yeah. But yeah. Eustace is like, sees this and he's like getting angry and he goes to like run the tree down with a truck and Mira like, sta- like stops and stands in front of him. And it's like, she stops him, but it's very clear that uh, Eustace is jealous of no, lo- no longer being the person that brings, like, that puts food on the table and, like, is the breadwinner of the house. Because now it's this tree. Yeah, this tree can she, just do whatever they want. He, yeah, she says, you can't cut down the tree. It's providing for us. And he says, but that's my job. Yeah, which is, like, a very, like, human response, I think. Uh, it's, it's a plot yeah, of other the, shows. He, yeah, Eustace is so consistently like selfish and grumpy but every once in a while he does get a point like this where you uh you you understand his human needs and like he said when he talks about the in the last episode where he talks about like the very basic things he would buy if he had a million dollars it's like you've you've lived a hard life yeah (laughs) sorry (laughs) sorry my dude sorry about it (laughs) sorry you probably had to live through the great depression i guess who knows (laughs) <laughs> I don't I don't know the history of this world that we're in. No, that's the appropriate response. So Eustace is everyone's sleeping and Eustace says he's like he's like griping and he's taking the chair away from the tree and everything. And he's like, if only Muriel mm-hmm. had a bigger head, she'd know better than to just trust a tree. And we cut to the next morning mm-hmm. and Muriel is like bedridden with the head the size of a couch. Uh and Eustace yeah. is like, What'd you do? What happened? <laughs> what, what did you do? <laughs> yeah. And the doctor comes in, does all these well, like silly... He, no, Go ahead. First, he's like, what about breakfast? And she's like, oh, no, I, I couldn't eat anything. And he says, I'd better call the doctor. I'm getting hungry. Yeah. Back to selfishness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the doctor comes and it like he pulls out like a toy hammer big thick scissors and all these kinds of stuff and he's like well nothing works mm. see you later and <laughs> and Eustace is like well I gotta call takeout for breakfast and kicks courage like into the tree and the courage is like he's just saying like help 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 and he look up and now the tree has cartoon eyes and a live action mouth with very thin lips yes and is speaking yes, to courage th- yeah, yeah, again. Like, anytime you put, like, a visual art style that is completely different from the rest of what's going on, it really sticks out, you know? And, like, it's not a clutch cargo mouth because it was literally just a mouth, like, cut out and stuck onto a cartoon, man. This is, like, you know, there's, like, sort of, um like, a, a patch in the tree where, like, the bark hasn't quite grown and that entire area is filmed with with video of a mouth. So it comes with, like, all the skin around it. Yeah, and you can't see the nose or you can't see the chin. It's like, but it's just enough skin to not be just the mouth. Um, yeah. And yeah, the 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 voice of the tree. Let's see if I still have it pulled up. The voice of the tree is Fred Melamed, who you might know as Gumball in Adventure Time, or uh, DC Parlov in Brooklyn Nine Nine, and he's just got. I imagine he's also the mouth. I don't know why they wouldn't get the same guy, but he just got very yeah, thin Yeah, unsure. Lips. But yeah, so 
Courage is talking to this tree Batman, and the tree declares, uh, a cure will take three days, but in three days, I will be cut down. And Courage is like, mm-hmm. this can't happen, and fortifies it with, with like a big dirt castle and a, like a big yeah. orange moat. And meanwhile, Eustace is uh, like... Inside- and he takes out a little package of like uh, sea monkeys or something and like pours it into the moat and then up comes a sea serpent that sings, oh, Danny boy. Yeah, I love him. I'm into it. Meanwhile, Eustace, Eustace is like, he's one of us has to go. You Eustace <laughs> and Eustace is so set against destroying this tree that he steps out in like war gear he's wearing like fur boots and a jerkin and like a lion skin cloak around his head and shoulders Mm -hmm. he's going to old-fashioned war against this tree (laughs) so yeah the war begins and eustace starts going like primal and is just like what if i like launch boulders at it what if i catapult myself into it and of course each time it either just damages the fort or when he catapults in he lands in a big pot of soup that courage was cooking jumps out of it jumps into the moat and then him and the sea monster come out both singing do a duet and then the monster attacks him and he gets thrown out (laughs) uh later the doctor calls courage and he says i've just (laughs) like i've discovered the remedy and then courage drives to his office and the doctor hands him uh like a little potion bottle or whatever and says this will cure your broken leg and i love that there's like no more of a punchline than courage just like blinking at him yeah it's just like a little like two second like what <laughs> and then it cuts <laughs> back you for a head sir it cuts back and uses is like axe at the ready ready to chop the tree down and the tree is just like yeah very insightfully like trying not to like trying to talk him down he's like will this make you feel important to chop me down <laughs> and Eustace is like no yes and then it cuts away and then we courage comes up and the tree is chopped down it didn't work and he's he's so upset that he climbs to the top of a rock and he screams until the moon breaks into little pieces. Yeah. And courage or no, the tree with its last words uh gives him like cut all the flower mm, cut all the flowers off of my branches, mix it with hornet honey, and give it to Muriel. And he does that, he, he mixes it with hornet honey and he feeds it in this big, big gross looking lump. <laughs> to Muriel. Yeah. And she chews it and, she, and her head goes back to normal. And then we cut back to Eustace and he's on the couch now and he's got a couch sized head. And he's mm-hmm. like, I want dinner. Was that tree growing back yet? <laughs> and you can go, yeah. he cuts to Muriel and her just looking at the stump and a single like pink flower is growing out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Many episodes end with uh, terror for Eustace. Yes, I mean he's in a perpetual series of of different minor uh, Twilight Zone scenarios. Yes, and then we get our next episode, Robot Randy. Our next segment, I should say, personal favorite. Yeah, this is. We'll talk about this as we get into it. Um, We open on a robot homeworld, just kind of like admits this like robot destruction exhibition. Where there's just rows of yeah. like this big 
robot with like a cylindrical body and like a dome head and claw hands mm-hmm. and they're all green little except stompy for stompy legs. Yeah, they're all green except for one little like red guy. Mm-hmm. They're just destroying stuff and we hear like a Randy, you destroy something now. <laughs> He's like, "Well, we see from his point of view like about to like shoot a rock. He's like, "I don't want to." And he shoots nothing and all the robots laugh at him. And the voice says, "You're a failure. Go just go conquer a world." Prove you're worth something. Uh, and then as he's walking away, tomatoes are getting thrown at him. <laughs> like the robots on this alien planet have access to tomatoes when presumably they don't need to eat. Uh, yes. And maybe because they don't need to eat, they're like, let's throw them at this loser. As he walks yes. away to conquer a world. <laughs> Our world. Our world. It should be noted at this point, the voice actor for Robot Randy, made a very specific choice to make Robot Randy sound a lot like Christopher Walken. Which I thought about it, and this would have been our f- my, at least, first exposure to Christopher Walken, but I didn't know it. Because I knew I knew this, and I thought this was just a silly voice. I didn't realize this was like a, an imitation of a guy. Mm-hmm. All I knew Christopher Walken from was the music video for Fatboy Slim's Weapon I, of Choice when I was he flies also around the hotel. Yeah. Where he doesn't talk. So it took me a long time before I realized, oh, that voice belongs to Christopher Walken. That's what that guy <laughs> sounds like. That's his voice. This he was a owns joke it. the whole time. Yeah. And it's not even a joke that clearly makes sense. I don't know if there's anything about Christopher Walken that would clearly indicate that. That's what this robot should sound like, as opposed to a number of other celebrity impressions. But it is, uh, it's an excellent performance. Yeah, it's its a choice. It's, I mean, you remember, you see a lot of like voice actors in like interviews talk about like, whenever I did the voice for this character, I was just doing an impression of this actor. Or something like that. Yes. I, I used to do an impression of Robot Randy as a kid, and that was pretty much my Christopher Walken. Uh, I can't do it anymore, yeah, and I, I won't I, do I it for you it, right now. <laughs> I think of it often. Voice of Robot <laughs> Randy. Whenever I'm striving for something in the world, I think of him. The voice actor that did uh, Robot Randy did something else. Uh, the voice actor was Peter Fernandez, and he voiced a iconic uh, Japanese character, Japanese cartoon character. Can you guess which one? Oh, I was wondering if he also did the voice of the uh, Christopher Walken horse from Dave the Barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> if this is like this one guy's specific niche. Like he looks at a character and he's like, I'm not sure why, but I think this character incongruously sounds like Christopher Walken. Let me do this. Um, <laughs> he did not. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm not sure what famous Japanese character uh, this char- uh, he voices. Who is this? He voiced uh, Speed Racer. Wow! When, when he was younger or like after this? Uh, in the 60s. Wow! The yeah. Speed Racer! Yeah, he's the voice of Speed Racer and Rex Racer. I think it was the same voice actor. Oh my god! So yeah. Yeah. For, for a while. They're brothers. Yeah, for a while. I know like, Speed doesn't know that, so like, be careful about telling him, but they are brothers. <laughs> no one tell him. Uh, your brother's actual Matthew Fox. Uh, but yeah, uh, he voiced Speed Racer whenever he's able to uh, for like some of his appearances. And in the Speed Racer movie, he played like a local announcer, which is nice. Oh, that is nice. 
Yeah. But yeah, but right now he's just doing a very bad Christopher Walken impression. And that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. So yeah. So we cut to the, the family uh, outside. I always refer to them as, as a family unit, even though like I'm sure that's not how Eustace thinks of this. Eustace is there working on his truck, and the Muriel's sitting on the porch playing her sitar. I'm yeah, happy just we like had a, an episode where she plays the sitar. It's just like a nice, peaceful evening for them. Yeah. And uh, until ro- Robot Randy arrives. <laughs> yeah, a big rocket ship, a very classic rocket ship. That's huge in comparison to their house. Lands next to them, and Robot Randy comes out and plants a big flag with his face on it. And he's like, cool, uh, this is my place now, uh, and you guys are all going to yeah. worship me. And Yeah, Eustace he says, is like, my I'm- name is Robot Randy. I'm the greatest and most powerful robot in the universe. And Eustace just says, that's it. I'm getting my mallet. <laughs> yeah, and then he just, he's like, you would challenge me? And he uh, he zaps them, and he zaps the house, and then we cut to uh, the family in like peasant garb and like potato sacks. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like they're just wearing like F- Fred Flintstone wear. Yeah, but not as colorful. <laughs> they're just sort of like yeah, they're just sort of a it's just like hides hides with a loose belt. Yeah. Yeah, just doing toil, just toiling, just breaking rocks so that they can build statues of Randy. Yeah. And uh And Eustace uh Eustace encourage like keep getting into like little scuffles, like one of them will bump in, you know, the courage will accidentally bump into him and Eustace will get like really mad and throw mud at him or something. Uh and Robot Randy sees him acting up and he lasers Eustace and Eustace is like <laughs> Not even reduced down like a little stick figure. He's less than that. He's like two, he's barely two legs and like a line for his torso and almost a head. It's like the most reduced, barely a form, like lasered down skeleton of a cartoon character I've ever seen. And then he says, ow. And then he cuts to the yeah. next scene and he's fine. <laughs> great, ow. great. Yeah, very good. And I think we cut to, oh, the, yeah, this is the scene. We cut to Robot Randy in, like, the shed or, like, the barn or whatever. And he's just sitting there, like, whittling reindeer, just carving reindeer. And he's like, mm. okay, I, I lied. I am going to do the voice. Um, you gotta. He's, he's like, I'm going to call you Ivana. It's a good reindeer name. And he's, like, and he's just like, <laughs> he does, like, a little, like, uh monologue about i don't want to destroy things i just want to car reindeer but that's what a failure would do and he just kind of throws the uh reindeer out the window and courage catches it and the next day he shows it to Miro. he's like Miro's like did you make that and he's like no 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 and where'd you get it and he like pockets it as robot randy comes up and he's like get back to work and i think we cut to Eustace Mural encouraged trying to pull a block up a big ramp, like a block the size of these statues. And Muriel yeah, yeah. just passes out, just straight passes out, and let's go the let's go the rope. Courage lets go of, of his rope and starts like giving her ice water and fanning her. And Eustace is like, You're if you're not pulling, I'm not pulling. And Courage starts to grab it with his teeth, but he can't hold it, and it falls down the ramp. And dominoes and knocks over all the robot Randy statues. 
and mm-hmm. Randy grabs Eustace and Muriel, and he's like, "I'm just, I'm just gonna switch, switch you, if you're not gonna build, build statues for me." And Courage yeah. blabbers, and uh, and Randy's like, "You challenge me," and he's like, "Okay." And then he puts them, he puts Eustace and Muriel in this like square hole in the ground. And then plucks yeah. this plucks the square block and drops it in there and it just kind of slowly starts glowing down and that's how much time they have. Ugh. And it's very it's very nerve wracking. It is. What a chilling death, because you don't understand the physics of like how fast does the rock move? What yeah. if it just plummets down there immediately? Then you know, you don't even have time for courage to to fight for his freedom. But and at the, the same challenge time, at the same time, very aesthetically mm-hmm. pleasing. Yeah, yeah, you know, just watching somebody get squished is like, and <laughs> like a not that the square square block in a square <laughs> hole slowly like fitting in, that's aesthetically pleasing. Not I... human death. <laughs> no, I mean like in action adventure things when you're a little kid. Like think about Star Wars, like the first Star Wars where they're gonna get squished by the, like the trash compactor. Like I feel like that was so often like a threat, just like a thing coming down to squish you. Mm. And it's like a threat that doesn't really exist in adult entertainment. No. Yeah. <laughs> Just reminds me of being a kid, you know, being <laughs> being squished by something large. <laughs> you want to talk about that? No, I, you know, it's just like old, old, like, jokes sometimes just even like don't get used anymore just make you think about when you were young and you'd see that on tv a lot and you're like i'm glad that now that i've grown up i don't feel afraid of getting squished by a lot of things <laughs> i guess that's it's true like the quicksand it's like the quicksand thing like you see quicksand and you're reminded of when you were little and how you would grow up and you're like quicksand's everywhere i'm gonna have to contend with quicksand <laughs> and then you grow up and it's not there yeah and you're like maybe a little disappointed because like you kind of want the thrill of the adventure but mostly you're like thank goodness i don't know what i do with quicksand what if there's not a vine around the equivalency is when you're working at a job and you learn a point of sale system front to back and then that system is now obsolete and you're like well i was prepared to run into future like problems in the future but now I have a skill I can't use. Yeah, yeah. We just have that to deal with and not, you know, quicksand. Yeah. Or like being tied to train tracks. This is what I'm talking yeah. about. You know, sometimes you see an old cartoony, like absurd threat that doesn't really exist in the real world. And part of you goes, ah, ah th- a- there's like a weird comfort to just seeing something that happened all the time in childhood. Like, I don't want myself or anybody to get blown up by a round bomb that looks like a bowling ball sure but when i see that it you know brings you some sense of nostalgic pleasure (laughs) i guess like oh i i know how so many people handled this i can handle it the same way but you cannot not anymore no no i don't know what i do if confronted by a a bomb of any size and shape but you know what you can do when confronted you can break things. <laughs> this is the challenge. This is what Courage apparently challenged Randy to. On top of that block, they've laid down like a big sheet of cardboard, like you do for real, and they're going to break. They're breaking for freedom. Yeah. So they do like a, a very convincing like breakdance battle with like a tiny little boombox. 
and it's it's pretty it's pretty nice, pretty fancy, pretty memorable. Mm. Uh, and then Randy starts spinning on his head way too fast, spins like a top, and crashes. And he's like, "I've lost, no." And then Eustace and Muriel are saved. He plucks the block off of them, and Randy is just like moping. He's like, "I'm a failure. I can't even win breakdancing against a dog, a small dog." And Muriel is like trying to cheer him up. Like, you must be good at yeah. something. So I understand yeah, you subjugated us for months, but. but. But she's still got a sympathetic spirit. You know, she wants everybody to have some sense of self-worth, even if you are a, a robot that made them toil, you sure. know, wearing like a, a loincloth sack. Yeah. So yeah. He, Courage cheers him up and pulls out the reindeer. And he's like, Ivana. Yeah, and he says, this is the line I think of all the time. I don't want to destroy things. All I want is to whittle reindeer. Yeah, that's an iconic line. It is. This has stuck with me for like 20 years. Yeah, and Muriel convinces him, like, why don't you just go do that? And he's like, you're right. And he like frees them. And he's like, I don't. Yeah, and, uh, And part of it is that courage. We haven't talked about how courage can sometimes shape shift for comedic effect. Oh, yeah. Courage turns he t- he like turns his body into like a reindeer in a little gift box, and then he turns into a cash register full of cash to wordlessly tell Randy, "Hey, you could make a great living uh, whittling your reindeer and selling them." Yeah, courage. Like he he talks sometimes. It's not clear whether his family knows that he can talk, or if only us in the audience know he can talk. Most of the time, he's. And it's not clear if he's like trying to talk or he's just stuttering or if he's just making like sort of a whimpery dog noise. And that's all the noise he can ever make to a human. And then Mm -hmm. he changes his body sometimes. And we don't, (laughs) and there's no rules for it. Like there aren't rules in this world. No, why would there be? Which isn't, no, which isn't bad. Like it makes it feel silly and loose and, and, you know, eerie at times. Yeah. There was a moment it, in. It's um, wild that he's. He, mm-hmm. There was a no, moment in King. There was a moment in King Ramses when the uh, when the professor shows up, where he turns into the professor and then disappears, and then he turns into a sinking ship, and then he mimes giving the slab to them, and I'm like, I don't know what that means. Yeah, like you have to play charades with him. Like maybe. I don't know. Like, maybe he'll travel away in a ship and that ship will sink. But we won't because we live in, like, the middle of, uh, you know, the Oklahoma Plains and we can't get on a ship. Yeah. Not for us. We we cut to... he. Oh, yeah. To apologize for enslaving them, he gives them all their his whittled reindeer. Uh, he gives him all his whittled reindeer. And he's just like, oh, good. We can rebuild the house out of this. And we cut to the robot homeworld, and there's a huge, like, winding line all the way up to this little stand where Randy is selling his reindeer. And all the green mm-hmm. robots are just, like, like enjoying them and, like, dancing and just so happy. And then this little orb green, like, robot just comes zipping in, and it's got this big toothy grin and a big witch nose for no Strange. reason. And it has that, that, you Randy. And it says, like, uh, you're doing a great job. You're not a failure after all. And it puts a little star sticker on his chest. And uh, He's then an- good. Yeah. And another green robot says, 
uh, yeah, but can you make anything else? And then there's a silence, and then Randy zaps him. And that's the episode. I remembered this being like a Christmas episode, and I think there's just reindeer in it, and that's the only thing remotely Christmassy about it. I think I would just think of it every Christmas. Yeah. Maybe it aired a lot or re-ran a lot on Christmas. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they took just that 15-minute segment, you know, yeah. if they're they're airing some old special that's in a regular length. Or they'll put it with, like, a 15-minute slightly Christmassy bit from, like, another cartoon. Mm-hmm. It's got gifts in it. It might as well be Christmassy. Right. But, yeah, that's uh, that's Courage of the Cowardly Dog. That's our Saturday Morning Giant. Fun to revisit. You know, there's other episodes I'm going to go on and, c- and continue to rewatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely want to go check out the Tower of Dr. Zalost that has a very haunting uh, soundtrack to it. A lot of these shows have a, a very haunting soundtrack. Yeah, The music in the show is very good. Yeah. But yeah, holds up. Go check it out. It's it's on HBO Max. That's how we watched it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thanks for coming by for our Halloween episode and our anniversary episode. Thank you for being here. Yeah. If you guys would like to help us out, one, by listening to you're already doing that. We appreciate you so much. If you'd like to help us out by giving us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and sending us a screenshot of that, one, we'll love it, and two, we'll read it on air. And if you want to give us any recommendations for shows to watch, movies to watch, if you'd like to inquire about being a guest on the show, you can email us, SaturdayMOPod at gmail.com, or talk to us on Twitter at SaturdayMOPod. Uh, if you'd like to talk to me, I'm on Twitter at James Wilk. Mel? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyWit. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. And listen to my other podcasts on the Whatnots network of podcasts. That's Whatnots spelled like astronauts. I'm on the review show every week, which is a weekly book club style media discussion. We do a different movie, season of a TV show, a couple volumes of a comic. We always do a bunch of spooky stuff for the the October month. I'm on uh, the Captain's Log, which is our general nonsense chat show. And our Halloween special for that, uh, this will be our third year, where we look back on the previous year's uh, episodes and we take little anecdotes that we've told each other and we retell them and we make them spooky stories. So the Halloween episode of the Captain's Log is always a great time. Uh, So listen to those. And then I'm also on the Reactor Core more sporadic feed where we, we react to brand new media. So at the end of October, you know, we would have done at least all of what if, you know, Eternals would be coming out soon. Who knows what we've done? Nice. Yeah. Go check those out next time. So Mel, this was your pick. Um, it was but next week. We're having a guest. So next time mm-hmm. we'll be talking about beast wars with guest Dawood. So t- uh, stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, relax, kick back. It's Halloween. It's Halloween. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to name you Ivana. That's a good reindeer name. I wish I didn't have to conquer worlds and destroy things. I wish I could make reindeer all the time. But robots don't make reindeer. 
If anyone found out they'd laugh at me, they'd think I'm a failure. A failure! Oh? <laughs> <laughs> 